The teenage years can be a tough season between mom's hormones and the teen's hormones. It's really a wonder anyone makes it out alive. On today's episode, we're talking about connecting and cultivating relationships with our teens. Woohoo! Who's ready for the goodness? Let's do this. Hi, my name is Stephanie Pletka, and I'm here to navigate the messy parts of motherhood. I'm a small-town mom of four who took a parenting blog and wrote a book to help moms find the goodness in the hard places, to chase their dreams and write their story. So sit tight in the carpool lane. You know what I'm talking about, mamas. Comfortable in those yoga pants and get ready to be encouraged. This is the Motherhood Mindset with Stephanie Pletka. Oh, I am so excited about today. We have Nellie Harden on the show. She's a Christian mom of four daughters living in North Carolina, married for over 20 years with a background in behavioral work, wellness, and personal development. She's a writer, a family life coach, and host of the 6570 Family Project podcast. Welcome, Nellie. Thank you so much for having me on. Woo-hoo. I love the music. I was jamming over here to it. <laughs> Were you? I love it too. I just love, you know, being upbeat. So Nellie, I can't even remember where I found you. I think you were on another podcast that I was listening to. And I thought I have got to have this girl on the air. So tell us a little bit about why you care about teenagers so much. Oh, that is a big question. So A, I have four of them um, in my house right now as I'm recording this. Um, so yes, I am the mom of four uh, teenage girls. My my youngest is right there. She's 12. So I have a 12-year-old. Uh, so definitely in the tween years right there. And then two 14-year-olds, uh, twins, and a 16-year-old. So that is my my first reason why I'm very passionate about it. But even Beyond that, before I had teenagers of my own, and frankly, before I had kids of my own, working with, um, and I think part of it too is like, I'm in my 40s, but I'm still, you know, like, mentally in my heart, I'm still 18, you know, and uh, the whole, uh, I'm never going to grow up mentality. But when I was growing up, I don't feel like um, yeah, I, I definitely think my parents did the best they could. I think many parents do the best they could with what they have. But when I was dropped off, uh, when I went into college, man, was it very evident that I didn't have all of my skill sets, mindsets, and all of that, that I really could have used before I was quote unquote, an adult and dropped off in the, in the real world and parents drove away seven hours away and I didn't see him for three months, you know? And so and that for me actually led to a world of of hurt and pain and confusion uh definitely for those first uh, few weeks few months and then honestly for the next over two decades later all things that stemmed from that experience and we also i'm also a servant out in the community for um teens and i help run um youth programs for uh, uh, high school women, high school young women in the area too. So this age group is just really important to me in order to help set them up for adulthood. I want them going out into life with courage and and having that confidence and having that wisdom, right? All facets of wisdom and also having respect for themselves. And if they can go out into the world equipped with that, man, there's nothing that can stop them. But there is an 
arsenal of things that can get in their way and hurt them if they're not equipped with those things. I love that you point that out because it's really like a minefield. And I know when I want to go upstairs to the kids room, I have three boys and a girl and those boys, it's like a repellent. You know, you walk in and that (laughs) the smell of their bedroom smells like the biggest awful gym sock. And (laughs) and sometimes that's part of their personality, too, is just (laughs) you're like, it's like God's way of, you know, they don't want you going into their bedrooms. <laughs> and I think sometimes they're the forgotten ones in the sense of when the kids are little, it's just so easy. When someone wants to love and and hug you, uh, I have one son that hugs like a Heimlich maneuver, but he, he just <laughs> loves to hug. And, you know, when kids aren't, when they're repellent like that and they just kind of have those roll of the eyes and sometimes mm-hmm. it's easier just to want to say I quit you know it's hard to really push in and love what feels like unlovable sometimes what feels prickly and um, so that brings me to talking a little bit about you know at times it is hard it feels like teenagers they really know how to push our buttons but (laughs) you know what I'm talking about (laughs) but how do you find ways to really lean in and be calm when it's easier just to want to quit and walk away well I think a big part of it is remembering you when you were that age, right? I mean, you were prickly and sometimes you were prickly uh, two hours ago, right? It doesn't, it's not just reserved for the teenage years. And so why were you prickly then? Why were you getting a little salty with people then? And it's not because the counter wasn't cleaned off after you said it nine times, right? It wasn't because they didn't do their chore or whatever. It's because there's something else going on in your life that's making you more sensitive, more vulnerable to something going on. And and maybe the balances are, are a little off. So you have to just remember the humanity, the mess of humanity that's going on in your house. And you know, feed into that with the benefit of the doubt, but really talk to them about what's going on, right? And so staying calm, just take some mirror for yourself, breathing, right? Just, just take a little breath and it, it'll help. I promise you. Yep. And go out of your body. This is, this is such a, a great hack. Like go out of your body and you want to, you want to just ask yourself, you know what? If I saw my kid behaving the way I'm behaving right now to my child. If I saw my kid doing that to their child in, I don't know, 20, 25 years, would I be proud of them? You know, would I be proud of my kid if I saw them doing what I'm doing right now? And the fact of the matter is that's what they're going to be doing because that's what they're learning from you. So that is one of the best hacks I can always tell people is, would you be proud of your kid doing to theirs what you're doing to yours? Ooh, you just threw down some truth there. You know, it's funny because like a baby, his full-time job is maybe to cry or just, you know, nap time. And that's the way it is with teenagers as well. They mimic us. And it's easy to be like, oh, you're acting this way. And instead of looking for the root cause of it, we just holler at them. We yell at them. Come on, can't you just do this? Can't you just step up? And maybe they're feeling insecure from just coming home from school. And instead of like giving a cookie and a hug and being like, hey, you want to talk or do you want to do like an after dinner walk or kind of get to the root of it? We just, you know, we're another person on the totem pole hollering and, and they feel like, you know, we're coming to combat it, combative. And it's funny because we're that way too. You know, we may not be like that kid in target that is screaming and hollering, but we also have our moments where we're not just happy. And then you get a parent who comes in and is like kind of down on you. Right. Absolutely. And even if we're not, 
outwardly like that, there's some times where you are thrown in total inside tantrum, right? And all of the, you're like a washing machine in your brain and all the spin cycles are on and you're just going completely, you know, you feel like you're going insane and you're very sad, very upset, very, uh, you know, confused all at the same time. And we've just learned to put up some boundaries so that doesn't necessarily come out in our behavior with our mindset cycles, but we still throw fits. We just manage them better now. <laughs> that is so true. And I think when teens, they can put up those, you know, kind of be the gatekeeper to their life and they don't want anybody in and it can feel cold at times and hard and harsh. And, and the things that they say can feel like a dagger to the heart. But I think the problem is, is we also just take everything too personally. Mm, so true. So true. And like you were saying, when they're infants, right? They scream and holler, which exhausts us, right? But we're like, oh, I must take care of you. You know, you're so little and what have you, because we're really taking care of that first level, that physical, right? That we need to make sure that you are fed, you are cared for, you are protected, right? And when they're older, that cry doesn't look like a cry necessarily anymore, although it sometimes can do, um, but it doesn't always look like a cry. It could look like a roll of the eyes. It could look like a huff and a puff. It could look like so many things, but that doesn't mean that we don't get curious and dive into what's happening. You were talking about um, them kind of deflecting and saying this, the tough things that they say. Yeah, and just getting curious about what is going on with their behaviors. Yeah, you you brought up a great point because I said so is what I used when they were little. And now I have mm. to really dust my brain off and create a dialogue, you know, and I have to debate and really be on my game because it's not really physical as much anymore, but it's mental. And yes. trying to navigate all those tough seasons. And, and it's hard for these kids because they're really trying to go from being the little kid to a young adult and navigating their way through life. And we're trying to create these productive citizens. And sometimes it felt like for me that I had been fired from my job. Like I'm creating these little citizens, you know, to be productive and go on their merry way and learn how to do life without me and really to guide from behind and yet sometimes I want to guide from the front and have more control. And that really messes up a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And it's interesting because so my husband and I, um, you know, parenting is a uh, is a dual sport, right? If there's two parents in the home and trying to manage this. So we have four young women in our home and then uh, myself and my husband. And so. Last night, we were talking exactly about this because when they are little, you can just say, because I said so, and it's so much more black and white, right? It is uh, behavior and then consequence, right? But when they get older, which is, you know, where I work a lot with um, teen and tween young women and their families, now we're getting into discipline because discipline isn't discipline and consequence are two different things, right? But now we're getting into discipline and discipline literally means teaching. And so, yes, there's still consequences for sure, but there is a bridge of discipline in between there that when they do something, we actually have to have a conversation about it. We have to understand what is happening because when they are you know, around, you know, it's not like 
their their uh, what ninth birthday, they get you know the switch or so. Uh, but before they're nine years old, you're really building life for them, right? And it is very you are doing things for them and teaching them exactly what to do. But nine to eighteen, you're really starting to partner with them and build their life with them, and that requires a lot more conversations, a lot more mental and emotional work than the physical work that went into the first nine years. So there is this, I call it the great transition um, that happens around, you know, the from the first half to the second half of childhood. Wow, the great transition. That is a great phrase because it is hard. I think it's a great transition for not only our children, but for us as well. Oh, yeah. Constantly trying to navigate those different seasons of life. It's really trial and error for all of us. And it's easy to think, well, I disciplined this kid this way. I led this kid this way. But no matter how many kids you have, I have discovered that their personalities are just so different. What worked for one child may not work for another. What worked for a season or two weeks, you're constantly having to re-navigate and re-strategize. So I love how you see the difference there. Your kids are so lucky. (laughs) They may not know it, but they yeah, are. I was just going to say, I'm not sure if I brought, you know, a couple of them in here, they'd be like, yeah, right. It's like, hey, kids, get in here. Did you listen to this lady? <laughs> she said, I'm awesome. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, sometimes when we're connecting with our kids, it can feel like a, a dagger to the heart at times, you know. And, and I, I saw that you're a coach and you're a mentor who's raising these amazing teens, you know. <laughs> And I thought I have totally got to take notes here because like I said earlier, it does feel very, um, I feel sensitive at times when you pour your heart out and the kids are like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, whatever, okay. But I think it's their job too to, you know, we, we were talking about how to cultivate these meaningful relationships with our kids that we're in the long game here. It's easy to be like, hey, you did this wrong. It's easy to be like, hey, can you turn your ears on, you know, and you say things that, hey, maybe we are even mean to them as well. But how do you really cultivate a meaningful relationship during the teen years? Well, I've, I feel like that's twofold. Like I, I mentioned a little bit earlier, that word of curiosity. So we have to understand that behavior is the end result of a big year of things that are happening, right? So there's thoughts, there's feelings, there's decisions, there's actions, right? All of those things are happening before you ever see a behavior. So when there is an undesirable um, behavior happening in there, we really have to be like, okay, so this was the result, but what were, you know, it's like, you know, I don't know, two plus three equals five, right? We see five, but was it four plus one? Was it two plus three? Was it five plus zero, right? We need to find out what the components were that added up to this. Like what thoughts happen? What things were, you know, were you seeing out in the world even that led to the thoughts that led to the feelings that led to you choosing to make a decision about this and then going out and saying, this is the decision that I'm making, right? There's so many different filters that are in there. And so if we can go backwards and retroactively talk to them about those, then we can figure out really what's happening at the root of the problem. And usually when they are really frustrated with a sister, it's not because they're a mean kid or they're a mean sister. It's because, I don't know, they uh, they are... Um, Uh, really struggling with um, perfectionism that day, or they're struggling with comparison that day, right? And they're 
uh, their self-esteem is down, which means they want to play the power card, right? Self-esteem is this two-sided coin of power and victim, or you ride the rim and it's all this acceptance, right? I'm, I'm just going to do whatever I can do in order to be accepted, which sometimes leads me to power. And sometimes I'm also a victim on it, but at least I'm not all the way the victim. And so there's all of these things in play besides them just saying, besides you just saying, you know, you're being really rude, go to your room, you can't act that way, right? Because then they're just going to learn to stifle those things even more, not be able to understand what those things are, even. And if you don't understand them, and you can't put them into like a an actual tangible uh, way, then you're, you're never going to be under going to be able to understand them, and they'll be able to take over you. So that's number one. Number two, though, in in part of that is vulnerability. You have to be vulnerable first as a parent and not vulnerable about just the way you feel about what they're doing. Last night, I had to have a conversation with one of my daughters that spoke to me in not such a kind way. And I told her that, you know, that wounded me a little bit and that hurts me. And and she understood that. Right. And she wasn't doing it to be mean. She was struggling with some comparison issues that she was going with. So we were able to talk about that. But telling her how it feels about me, but also telling her about, you know, there's sometimes when I don't speak the nicest to you even or to somebody else. And it's usually because I'm feeling this way. Is that how you're feeling too? Or is it something different? Right? So being vulnerable about how what they're doing makes you feel but also vulnerable about stories that can come alongside their story and you can and they can relate to you. They just don't see you as the, you know, parent that oh, we're having another talk, right? It is it is a parent that has actually experienced life just like they're experiencing life. And it makes you a person not just a parent. Wow, that was explained so well. I hope the listeners are out here taking notes. <laughs> I was taking notes. If you could see how many notes I've taken on this uh, this piece of paper. Okay, so it's funny because you had said, uh, basically, we need to be a private investigator. <laughs> we need to, like you said, four plus one is five, but there's many different ways to get to five. And when someone lashes out, it, it could be they feel hurt, they feel insecure, they're dealing with comparison. And I thought, oh, my gosh, that's me. You know, us moms, we're dealing with the same thing. We're dealing with the lies that we tell ourselves. And, oh, my gosh, we're actually so similar, aren't we? Our teens and our ourselves. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. That's one of the things I tell, especially the teens out in the community that I work through. And they're like, oh, you know, you just don't get it. We're having friend problems and it's such a high school thing. And I was like, mm, guess what? 43 still has friend problems. 43 still has <laughs> comparison. 43 still has perfectionism. We just need to learn how to use these things and and get through to a better result. <laughs> I love it because it's really me too. And when my kids, the first time I ever said, you know, I'm sorry, they were like, but you're mom. And I thought, yeah, but you need to understand that mom is wrong too. Mom makes mistakes. Yeah. Mom is so sorry. I mean, I don't know how to do this always right. I, I'm just, I'm just me. I'm just a person that came into this role. And with every new kid and every different circumstance, it's just, it changes. And we're always trying to navigate our way through. We're not going to be perfect. You know, life is just maintenance. It's not perfect. We're just trying to do our best. So I think if we can just be honest and say, hey, 
I have insecurities with some friendships too, or there was drama in whatever, you know, not just in your school, but you know, at work today. And sometimes I'll just ask my kids for advice. What would you do? Boy, they just kind of, they just perk up like, whoa, did you just, and they'll give the most brilliant. I'm like, do I need to pay you? I mean, (laughs) of course I pay (laughs) them in food. They eat every 12 minutes. (laughs) (laughs) So I wanted to talk a little bit about what are your thoughts on risk? On, you know, really giving them a space to fail and try and to figure things out. Do it. I mean, do it. Uh, so, like I said, there's these two big chunks of childhood, right? There's the building for you. There's the partnering and building with you. And when you think about that that side, um, so I always look at it as uh, I live on the coast here in North Carolina. So there's there's a boat theme coming. So um <laughs> So in the first time, you know, part of uh, childhood, you're building a boat on land for them, like you're building, they're watching, you know, you're building it for them. When they get into the second half of childhood, you're putting that child in the boat and putting it out in the water, but you are connected by this rope. And so my, um, my platform is called the 6570 Family Project, because that's how many days are in 18 years, 6,570, which sounds like a baby amount when you put it into perspective. Like, I have a friend literally having a baby tomorrow and I was like oh her 65 70 clock is like starting tomorrow that's so cool how exciting I know but um but anyway so your whole you have you know one end of the rope on land they have the other end of the rope in the boat and sometimes you let a lot out sometimes you have to pull some back in and they have to learn how to navigate the world right and everything that can happen out there and you're teaching them along with this and and that's the curriculum I get into but you're teaching them how to do this and sometimes they screw up their own boat And you have to teach them how to repair that too. And so it is this constant dance of teaching and disciplining and sometimes a consequence. If you put a hole in your boat, guess what? Your boat's going to get some water in it and it's going to start going down. You need to bring them in and all of those. And so it is this constant dance in the second half of childhood. And I it's so sad to me when I see parents of 13 year olds and 14 year olds, I had one last week that was like, Oh, you know, my daughter's practically an adult. She's 14. So she just pretty much does her own thing. I was like, 14, you still got four more years, you know? And, um, so and I was like, no 14 year old, at least in America. I mean, there are some countries that that is, you know, when you go off into the, into the world and they're more adapted than our kids are over here. But that being said, um, yeah, 14. No. And you still have so much time and take advantage of that time. So, um, yeah, I come from the animal world. Um, I don't know if that was a part of what you had said or not, but I was a marine mammologist and worked in the wild and, and did that. And so what is the purpose of the whole childhood? Like even scanning out, taking out messy humanity, you know, that we have and, and all the things, the whole purpose of childhood is to equip your child for adulthood and and going out into the world. And so then insert our humanity and then we get 18 years to do it. Nobody else gets 18 years, but we get 18 years to do it. And so that's really, you know, where that comes in and having them take all those risks and do that when you can guide them through resolution with that, that is when you want them to do that, right? You don't want them to never have an experience at all and go out into the world after 18 and just start uh, punching holes in a boat to see what happens. You want them to know what happens. (laughs) (laughs) To see what happens. Hey, good luck with that. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. My friend, A.B. Carney is always saying you have 18 summers with your kids. And I thought a Mm. lot of us parents that are, you know, have teenagers right now, we might have two. 
we might have yeah. one. And we totally want them to take that risk. I wrote even in my book, um, Living Your Best Life, one of the chapters was talking about the value of a skinned knee. It's easy mm-hmm. to just want to wrap them in bubble wrap and be like, oh, I don't want anything to happen to you. Or they ask somebody out and the girl's like, no. You know, and you're just like, oh, they're a little psyche and they're mental, whatever. And you just want to help them. But look, I mean, their mental toughness, that's what's going to, you know, when they get out on the 101 and they're driving, it's like a life of bumper cars and they need to like how to self repair (laughs) and find solutions and things like that. So tell me in the last minute, what, tell me a little bit about how, like, how can people find you? Um, yeah, so I am, I, I'm a totally simple girl. I loved in your intro, you're like small town girl. And I was like, I'm a small town girl. There's 3000 people in my whole town. Um, and <laughs> we've always lived in big cities and we saw little towns on shows that we liked and we moved to one. So that's how it happened there. So anyway, um, I like it simple. Everything is on my website, NellieHarden.com. And right now I actually, um, this year I am running a amazing, um, a workshop, parenting workshop, and it's called um, Ignite Their Joy, five, uh, five Steps to Building Your Daughter's Self-Esteem in the Tween and Teen Years. And I mean, with everything happening in the world, we, in, in the great big world, in the virtual world, in the inside worlds, in our school worlds, everything, we really need to be helping our daughters and our sons, uh, but building that self-esteem so that we can uh, have them have leave home with that confidence, respect, and wisdom in order to build their best life. So that is uh, something I have going on. That's at NellieHarden.com slash Ignite. Nellie, you have been a pleasure to work with today. I really appreciate you just throwing down all the amazing details and actionable steps on helping women, helping moms really connect with their children. And I can't wait until next time. Sounds good. Thank you so much for having me. Hey guys, if this show has blessed you, the number one way you can help me is to click the five stars and tell me what you think over on Apple Podcast. You can go to my website at stephaniepletka.com and subscribe or grab a copy of my book, Living Your Best Life, or even download the Audible for Moms on the Go. Are you in the Phoenix area? Tune into Faith Talk 1360 every Monday at four or listen to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Until then, here's to living your best life.